Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Lemantash. During this episode, we will be talking about impact of social media on learning and teaching. I would like to welcome our special guest, Dr. Jamie Franco. Dr. Jamie Franco is a first-generation college student, originally from Southern California. She received her bachelor's from the Ohio State University and PhD from the University of California, Santa Cruz. She was in a tenured position at the rank of professor at Spring Hill College and is currently a core faculty at JFK School of Psychology. She has been an adjunct instructor at SNU since 2015. Jamie is currently serving as a council member for Division 9 of the American Psychological Association, Society for the Psychological Study of Social Issues. Her favorite ways to pass the time include going to the beach with her dog Lucky, reading and binge watching TV. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Franco. Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is wonderful to be able to talk about some topics that are very near and dear to my heart. Dr. Franco, in 2017, you presented a TED Talk on Dialogue Across Difference, a guide to social media, about the impact of social media on how we discuss various issues. And in that TED Talk, you shared the ways in which even those who hold different opinions can have a constructive dialogue. In this podcast, we would like to highlight the impact of social media on how we talk about various issues in social science classes. You have been teaching social psychology for decades, and it's fair to say that no program or course in social sciences is immune, is immune to sensitive topics. Social media became a huge part of our lives. It affects not only how students interact with each other, express themselves, and perceive their peers and instructors, but also how they process information presented to them. This is a topic we would like to discuss today. My first question will be, how does social media affect student learning? So thank you. That's a, a great question. And I do hope that you remind me of some of the other topics that you wanted to discuss um, more specifically. I think those are, are very important to point to. A lot of the research in social psychology, uh, the area that I focus on, uh, looks to uh, information processing, uh, people's strength at um, being able to navigate and utilize the technology. And then, of course, the things that I'm most interested in are the interpersonal perceptions, um, self-presentation, how we manage our impression online, and whether it's effective or whether it backfires in some way. So um, what the students asked me to do back in 2017 when I was at Spring Hill College was to really talk about my work on allyship and being an advocate and a social justice uh, researcher and how that affected my use of social media and also how the students could be better consumers of social media and then also communicators via social media. And so one of the things I mentioned at that particular time was we are not trained. This is not an area in which we're trained in. And we're starting to get much more um, accomplished in this area. We're technologically savvy, I believe now. But there's a 
big disconnect between generations in terms of understanding and learning. And a lot of my colleagues tend to think, well, social media is for personal use, not for the classroom. And we've started to, since that uh, talk, discuss the ways in which social media um, skills and um, actual social media can be used in the classroom to facilitate learning. And I, I love that because I see it not only as a negative, right? There are some some issues, but also as a, a positive. And what I tend to draw upon is Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences, right? So we have all these different types of intelligences beyond the analytical. Um, Gardner mentions kin uh, kinesthetic and um, musical, linguistic, all of these different things. I think technological intelligence should be listed there too, because <laughs> students will look at us and say, oh, this person handed me um, what I remember from the 70s and 80s, the mimeograph, right? Um, this photocopied typewritten um, exam, and they're thinking this professor they automatically are perceiving them as less capable, potentially less intelligent. And so they like to see that we can utilize technology in really um, exciting and meaningful ways. Um, and then the other thing that comes out a lot is just how much are we sharing and in which ways are we sharing? And are we capable of crafting a message that can be heard? Um, and a lot of my discussion in that TED Talk was around um, how much information we consume, which sources we consume, uh, and how we've learned. So this this idea of um, what we talk about is social cognitive learning theory, and that's related to vicarious role modeling and learning. Learning. So if you're surrounded by people and the algorithm puts you into groups that tend to have more heated speech, right? Um, and I likened it to like these drive-by comments where nobody's going to engage with you. They just want to say what they want to say, right? They're just trying to get out what they need to get out because of frustration or this is... Um, something that they, they feel really strongly about, but don't necessarily care what you think about it. Um, and, and I'd like to encourage everyone to um, really think about opening up a dialogue. And for us in the classroom, in our discussion posts, it's the same thing. A lot of the time people will, will write something and you're thinking, how do I engage with that? What's the further question? How can I um, connect with that and provide my own perspective? So how we craft and frame messages in the classroom as instructors, we can role model, we can, um, offer up ways the subject matter experts can really uh, focus our questions in the discussion in a way that enables students to think about providing a perspective, but also encouraging a continued dialogue. And then, of course, as we're talking about being empathetic and understanding and being open to um, these different perspectives, we have to practice our, our toolbox of responses. So what did you mean by that? Or could you expand upon that? Or that's not what I'm familiar with. Could you explain to me? You know, all of these things that we can build in um, into our learning that can map onto everyday life and enable us to have some of the difficult conversations in person as well. So um, I think social media will is definitely a, a bonus, um, but of course we know the detriment can be what do people consume? And I just recently read a paper on toxic masculinity, um, social media use and depression. And the mediator, something that would alleviate the depression or lessen the depression was the social media sites that were visited, right? So are you visiting positive sites? Are you visiting ones that are, um, you know, countering this 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 difficult portion of someone's life or, or their psychological issues? Or are you staying in an area that then exacerbates it? So um, that's just my first general comments <laughs> on the topic. No, that was great. Thank you very much. And as I was listening to you, I just realized something. If we think about asynchronous educational environment, it kind of resembles in some aspects communication in social media, right? People don't see each other. 
I mean, they're guided by the rules, but they don't see each other. They most, they, they come from different venues. They most likely are engaging in like, I mean, in our programs, right? And you take any program in quite sensitive issues and they have to express themselves. But how what they learn from social media, how does it translate to their communication in the classroom and how we can actually turn into something positive? That's becoming a question, right? Absolutely. And I think that's something that we can facilitate. That's Thank you for bringing that up because when I think about the skill base, right? So it's different when students come to a classroom and a lot of the time um, are asked to respond to two of their classmates' um, posts. And we'll say things like, you can't just say, I agree with you. That's great. Thank you. You have to provide more information. Um, and a lot of the time, what I tend to uh, reward, right? So what are we praising with our students? I'll send email messages or I'll, I'll make sure in the comments that I'll praise something like, I really appreciate the way that you approached having a counter opinion or a different narrative or a different way of thinking about this. Um, and a lot of the time students will actually seek out, just like on social media, people who have similar opinions. Right. So if we can challenge them and we can reward them for really seeking out something that will push them to learn how to express their viewpoint and still honor someone else's viewpoint. Um, I think that's where I've seen a lot of growth happening. And I think that there's ways that we can in encourage that. But otherwise, we tend to see um, people seeking out and, and and really enacting or engaging with people who are are very similar. Let me expand upon that by sharing my own perspective. Um, and so I think with social media, one of the things too is the way that they speak is, is vastly different. And sometimes that will come into the discussion post where it's like, no, you need to cite and you need to reference research and you need to. So I really love when I see, um, especially at SNOO, these, these really great prompts. What do we expect from you? And how do we expect you to respond? And I'd love to see that um, you know, spill over into their social media life. And uh, if we can think about that in terms of social media literacy uh, and really get them just upfront saying, this is our objective with this kind of dialogue, um, I think that would be great. And another thing I think that would be wonderful is to see more video responses and video discussions, having people not only learn how to write out what they're um, thinking and feeling or their responses and engagement with the um, discussion prompts, but, um, if they're doing it via video, that provides them with the opportunity to think about how to articulate it. And that will map on really well to everyday life. I use this in some of my um, in-person classes that I teach when I have them do uh, reading responses and things like that. And then sometimes I get them to work in dyads too. Like, all right, find a partner and really discuss this topic together. So I think there's a lot um, that could be used with video because that's what we're seeing now. It's TikTok, right? It's the reels on Instagram. We're doing so much more uh, video uh, audiovisual content than um, even writing now via social media. Right. But that brings another question that you also kind of articulated when you were talking sources of information, right? In the discussion boards, at least we ask them to cite. But what they learn from social media is that a lot of these exchanges of ideas and opinions are happening with no citation required, right? And at the end of the day, it's becoming a question mark. What is the, is that information reliable? Or how do we know? There was a joke one time, I don't know, if it's not on Facebook, it's not reality, right? Like it has to be on Facebook before it becomes true. But what is the true information? Like how we determine the accuracy of the information, how perceptions of that created in social media are translated to the classroom? Yeah. 
That's a, a tough one. And it's it's interesting. As I got a little nervous in the TED Talk, I forgot a couple of comments and slides, right? This was a whole new format for me to learn as well, speaking just at people rather than dialoguing. Um, and one of the things I wanted to point to was this uh, news um, graphic, this table. I don't know if, if you've all seen it, but where they update it consistently saying um, this is um, left wing, this is right wing media sources. So do you know where your source is coming from? Do you know their perspective? Uh, and highlighting that, you know, if you're over on this side, this is all that you're consuming. There are other, I mean, I don't think people realize that there are other viewpoints. There are other ways to frame the message. Uh, what am I missing in this? And I learn it all the time as well. I tend to consume uh, social psychological research. My values are guided personally, but also by my field and what are the policy statements and position statements of the American Psychological Association. Um, so when we are, are surrounded by these different values and beliefs, even if we are citing a source, it could be a source. Well, I'm going to say it will always be a source that is slightly biased. And um, even thinking about what we bring as uh, you know, developing curriculum, what we bring to the classroom, we think these are the important things that we should talk about. Of course, we know that there's so much more that we can't cover, but that we're crafting a message and we're crafting a story that we want our students to consume and, and to learn and to um, share and build upon. Uh, so I think in this way, um, it, it's really difficult to get people to um, be able to craft a message that is um, from multiple perspectives. And I don't think it's always necessary, right? I think that if we're open to hearing an alternative perspective, so a lot of the time, instead of me uh, responding to a post with my own dialogue, I just send a link to an article. And then some, you know, people will either read through it or not. Um, we know that just like you mentioned, people skim, they skim Twitter, they, they skim, you know, all these different um, um, social media outlets. And so they're not necessarily engaging very deeply and so maybe they're not reading the article that I posted, but I'll make sure that that title is good, you know, and that title is really um, effective so that I can at least say this is my perspective. Um, but I think that the issue of how much we have available is leading us, and, and I do the same thing every morning. I look at the news from a di couple different sources and I read the headlines and then I choose which ones I'm going to open up and read. Um, so based on sometimes our our I always think about this, our threshold for pain that day, we might be seeking out, um, you know, fun fashion or style um, um, stories via CNN versus the ones that are related to international politics, right? And so we are, um, we, we are agentic, we're instrumental in, the, in what we consume and share. Um, and at the same time, um, we can we can do well by teaching others to you know like I was saying in that talk how are we going to use our voice how are we going to um, engage in um, making social change if, if that's our goal which we here we are agents of change um, and so we should provide sources I think that's important I think we should qualify and explain our assumptions and our framework and then be open to saying well I understand the evidence that you've provided or shared with me based on your assumption and framework, we just don't operate from the same framework. And um, that's one of the things that I, I really like to focus on is I'm giving message A, right? And you're not talking and responding with, with uh, response A, you're giving me response B, <laughs> or you're coming up with a whole new argument too. So I think um, crafting and learning how to, um, 
to respond appropriately and then maybe offer a counter argument. We don't offer those skills as well. I think everyone should learn how to, to uh, or take courses in debate, <laughs> right? How How is it that we can craft an effective message? How can we be influential, influential and persuasive um, when we want to be? And then other times we just might, might want to engage in social media for fun. Um, but since we're in the classroom, I think uh, those skills would be uh, would be useful. But that was a great message too. So that's okay too. And let's not judge like mm -hmm. even for that too. So I found that actually quite empowering too. Um, speaking of that, that remind me another great point that you made in that talk. And I kept thinking about it. When we, you know how they say listening to understand and not to respond. When we see posts anywhere and be it social media, be in our classrooms, thinking about intents behind that response, motivations behind that response, that those posts and responding accordingly, because that could be determined if you, if we just like that, that was one of the things that I got from your TED talk and that I thought was also very useful just to pay attention because we don't always, right? We just read the posts. I think that's so useful. I was um, actually just listening to a podcast cast where um, a trauma survivor uh, discussed her use of TikTok to really share her story and then also assist people in, in how to converse um, with people who are survivors of trauma. And one of the things she mentions was that she gets a lot of trolls, right? We know that there are people who just want, like I said, to do these drive-by comments. Oh, I don't believe you, or oh, that's whatever. Um, I think someone said to her, boo-hoo, as she was sharing her story. And it's like, boo-hoo, how could you do that, right? My goal and her intention, right? Her intention in that was to inform and to um, educate. Do I need to stop? I'm sorry, my dog made the squeaker. Can we cut and start over? Sorry. So Kara Robinson uh, Chamberlain was intending to share a particular message, which was how can we be better advocates for victims of, of violence um, or people who are, have experienced trauma? And someone responded in a way that was um, sort of derogating and denigrating her. And so these trolls, we tend to... Um, you know, engage them, but we know we're not going to get anywhere with that, right? So when someone has a different opinion or someone is saying something negative, sometimes I just ignore them because I'm thinking, what can I do to change their mind? How much effort is that going to take to change their mind? Well, it turns out in her example, she was saying that she actually changed one person's mind. And later he came back and said, you know what, I'm thinking about this differently now. And I thought, wow, how much effort did she have to, um, to put in in order to provide um, captivating, empathetic, compassionate responses in order to really facilitate attitude change. And in social psychology, we talk about this. When someone has a really extreme attitude or a strong attitude, it is quite difficult to get them to shift their attitude. When someone has a more moderate attitude, that's when they actually listen to our arguments and process it and determine whether the, um, the evidence is um, persuasive and, and um and in their mind, appropriate for what they needed to hear. Uh, so a lot of the time, I've actually recommended that we don't engage with trolls. <laughs> we don't engage with people who are just out there saying mean things, um, because for me personally, it just tends to re-traumatize me, um, or it tends to frustrate me, and it doesn't facilitate um, positive um, personal outcomes. But I can imagine that if you're doing this in work, if this is an area in which you're saying, this is my goal, at this particular site, at this particular time, I will enter this when I'm ready. Because a lot of the time I too, I say like, would you invite these people into your home? Well, we are every single time 
we open social media on our phone. They're in our home, in our spaces. So when I'm thinking about really looking at to the intent, if that person just wants to say what they want to say and will probably never come back, I'm not going to really worry about crafting a message because that's going to take a lot of energy and effort for me. Or maybe I'll have a nice Word document with lots of really well-crafted messages that I can pop in really quickly. But how do we um, really think about, is, is it worth it for me to spend the time and energy given all of the things that we are experiencing in our daily life? Um, and then if so, how can I make it easier and more efficient when I do actually engage? Um, so. And you actually made a great distinction. One thing, if it's happened, and this is where the differences are between social media and classroom, right? If that, if that can happen anywhere, but if it happens to social media, we can just ignore it. What if it happens in our yes. classroom? That has happened actually for me. Uh, I've had people who've responded to someone and uh, it, it tends to happen a lot when the, the content is... Um, is an area where students are not necessarily familiar, usually related to issues of um, inclusion or people from marginalized or oppressed identities. And so I had a student um, who really wasn't familiar with nor capable of discussing um, transgender um, experiences and um, did not have the most positive comment. And it was not definitely related to the, um, the content in the course. Um, in response to a student. And so the student reached out to me, I hadn't seen it yet, but they emailed and said, am I am I saying something incorrectly? Or am I uh, wrong in, in what I said? Because this response was, uh, was hurtful. And I thought, okay, so what can I do? So I made sure publicly to respond in a way, you know, to thank them for taking the time to comment, but this is actually how APA, and I usually draw upon research and I draw upon outside sources to say, this is how we should be talking about this and using it in a very, um, you know, in an, in an educational way, but also so that anyone else who was reading it could see, okay, this is how we respond and modeling that. And then also reach out to the student individually. Do you have any more questions? Uh, did I, did I, um, could I in any way build upon this conversation with you personally or via the discussion board site? But it seemed like both of the students were were satisfied. And I've continued to see things where people are not so blatant in their responses. And so, again, really making sure we read all of the posts and uh, even if we're not necessarily responding to all of them in that particular week, because we can catch something. Uh, I was grateful that a student reached out to me and I was able to really focus in on that. But what happens when we miss it and then we shut down people um, and that's where we get a lot of posts where people are not necessarily um, really saying anything. It's just a lot of, of regurgitating what's in the book or um, sharing something that's not very deep or meaningful to them because of their potential fear, uh, their self-censorship, right, um, and, and how others might respond. And that's not useful either. So basically using clues that even those angry and unhappy yeah. people give us to re-engage them in a different way to reshift maybe their focus and to show them the other way to talk about whatever they're talking if if i understood you correctly Absolutely. no this was great thank you very much if we can give maybe like to wrap it up to give maybe three tips to our faculty how are we going to make friends in our classroom with social media what would be those three tips I think the first one would be modeling the behavior we want to mm -hmm. see. And uh, that's that's key. The second one would be rewarding 
students who we think are doing it well and highlighting it. And um, I think the other thing is reiterating in our announcements each week what it is that we're expecting to see and pointing to some tips in order to reveal how we might craft a particular response so that they can um, do the same process of, you know, look up something online or do this or do that. Um, and then that way they can understand how we get to the point to have um, a well-crafted message. So um, those would be my tips. Thank you very much. And I would like again to thank you again for your time, for coming here, for sharing with us these valuable insights. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure for me as well. This is Lamantash, your host for the episode of Agents of Change. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.